It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We have, uh, well, the podcast is turning 30 today, which means uh, I think we get to take it home to mom, so that's good. Uh, welcome. Well, almost as old as me, John. Almost. Hey, hey. hey. Uh, we are uh, the Fearsome Foursome is back with you. Uh, one of the original crews, and we are happy to have everybody here. I'm your co-host, John Barchard, along with, to my left, Mr. BLG, Editor-in-Chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, buddy? Hey, I'm glad to be back. Mike K over in the Phoenix Sun. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing well, man. James, How about you? Oh, great. James Zeltzer checking in from 97.5 The Fanatic. What's going on, pal? I got my glass of wine. I got my e-cigarette. I'm ready to go, John. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, by the way, just side note, uh, May 20th, different sport altogether, but uh, me and Zelter and uh, Mr. BLG, Patrick Wall, all going to be hanging out May 20th for the ping pong ball drop for the Sixers draft. Uh, BLG, remind us where that's happening. That's at Miller's Ale House on uh, the boulevard there. Yeah, that's right. Come down, hang out. Uh, if you're a Sixers fan, it'll be lots of fun. But, uh, guys, we got to talk about the draft uh, after now that we're kind of melding through it and checking things out. Um, Before we get to that, has been the nice little rumor that's been floating around. Andre Johnson, not happy in Houston, uh, is requesting a trade, big contract and all that stuff. BLG, would you you take a shot? I would not take a shot. And it really, it just comes down to the fact that he's making so much money. I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but I think it's, at least 30 or something guaranteed or some kind of just ridiculous amount of money. And he's aging and really the Eagles, you know, they, they're really set at wide receiver uh, the way I see it with, you know, not only drafting two, but already having Macklin and Cooper. And then you have the tight end, you know, Selleck and Ertz, and then you even have Sproles and Shady. So I, I think they're fine. I don't think they need to spend big money in Andre Johnson. Uh, I think we have 12 or 13 wide receivers on the roster right now. None of them are over 30 and, 
Uh, well, actually, is Brad at 30? It doesn't matter. He's, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, okay. So he's the only guy over 30. That's the only guy over 30 that I want on this team because he's going to be a utility player. Uh, Andre Johnson, you're looking at high production, but high risk of injuries as well. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, it doesn't seem like a Howie move to me. I know they like collecting former Texans, but uh, I just don't think Andre Johnson is the type of player you bring in and, you know, you make Riley Cooper sit or you make Macklin sit or even worse than both of those guys, you make Jordan Matthews. Yeah, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. I agree with the guys. I, I actually don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, he's 32 years old. He's a lot of money. But the whole injury risk thing, look, he's played 16 games each of the last two seasons, 112 catches two years ago, 109 catches last year. And this is with basically me throwing him the football. So, you know, I mean, if this is a team that's serious about contending, I, I don't. I agree with the guys. I agree that ultimately I don't think it's going to happen, but they've got all the cap space in the world. Maybe you, you kind of structure it where, you know, see if he can restructure, find it so that, you know, maybe you pay him a lot this year and kind of move forward from there. But there is free room on the books this year. You know, after this year, you want to re-sign guys, look forward to the future. But, you know, why not? Uh, you know, he's, he's had no one throwing in the ball in this kind of offense. And on top of that, with the whole Chip Kelly culture, the whole – you know, conditioning program, the smoothies, the the, the wake, you know, everything that he does there to kind of keep guys healthy, uh, you know, I, I'd give it a shot, to be honest. James Elter, Tom Savage, actually the same person. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with James, obviously, because I'm not going to think logically about any of this stuff. Andrew Johnson's huge. I mean, I, I love that point. Exactly. The sports science stuff, keep the old guys healthy, weren't too many injuries last year. I, I would kick the tires. I, I, I Why not? F- 14 wide receivers. Make it 15. I want I want all the toys that the chip wants. Uh, and speaking of the toys that chip wants, Mike K, pretty decent draft as far as the offensive positions go. Obviously, the things that have been floating around are, yes, Marcus Smith might, may or may not be a reach. Yeah, you can change it back and forth uh, between Jordan Matthews and Marcus Smith, and maybe you'd be happier. But how do you feel about the draft as a whole now that you've had a couple of days to kind of look back and check it out i'm a, I'm a fan of it i mean i thought all the moves were made logically they were moved to their moves made by a philosophy standpoint that you and i talked about after the first three picks they all came and fit into chip's philosophy 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 um and i, I thought that there was a method behind the madness uh the only pick i was like not too you know huge on was ed reynolds but um they did sign uh, uh Lowe from Oklahoma State, who I who I, I think can be a really good player in the league. Um, and I think he'll battle with Reynolds for that last spot um, at safety along with Hill and Johnson. And I'm happy with the two running backs they got. They were my two top remaining running backs uh, for undrafted free agency and David Flewellen from Toledo and uh, Henry Josie, who has an awesome story from Missouri. So I think as a whole, I think they've really, you know, They've improved both sides of the ball, and um, I'm, as we've all known, uh, as we all know, I, I, I'm a fan of Marcus Smith. Uh, well, Mel Kiber gave them a B plus, so I think that's all we need to know, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no, in, in reality, though, I, I'm with Mike. I, I think they did a good job. I think that you know they preach the the best player available strategy, but 
in addition to best player available, they were actually able to fill needs with this draft. I think that if they had taken Jordan Matthews at 26 instead of Marcus Smith, you're not hearing any of the outcry of, you know, it's a reach, it's a this, it's a that. And you know what? They needed a pass rusher. When we did our, our postseason postmortem, we all said, you know what? Edge rusher is probably the biggest need on this team. And Marcus Smith is a big kid. He's got long arms. He's a freak athletically. Uh, you know, why can't this kid succeed, uh, uh, you know, in the NFL? So I- I'm happy with what they did. I think Jordan Matthews, you know, you love hearing the stuff about him coming in to meet with Chip and and looking at Eagles games and having film tape, you know, questions. And, you know, he just seems like a good kid who's going to fit the system. He's six foot three and a half. He's the type of receiver you want to kind of add to this group that you already have. And then I think they really killed it in the fourth and fifth round. Uh, you know, I don't know a ton about Ed Reynolds. And, you know, either way, uh, it's a fifth round pick. But uh, I think Jalen Watkins and Taylor Hart are both guys who, when you listen to what people have to say about them, we're both guys who very, very easily, if they had not been hurt going into the combine, could have gone in the second or third round. And I, I think that's extreme value. I think their positions of need. Uh, I think the fact that Taylor Hart fits the system specifically is one of those guys who the first thing that people say about him is he's a, a 3-4 defensive end. You know, that's the role he plays. Uh, I think they filled holes. I think they fit people who fit into their scheme. And I don't really see how you can argue with what they did. It's funny that James brought up the Mel Kuyper thing, the B+. Plus. I, I think that's what I'd give him about because you look at this draft and it doesn't really blow you away, or at least it doesn't for me, but that's fine. That's completely fine. It doesn't have to be an A-plus draft from our first instinct. I think, like all the other guys said, they made valid points about filling needs and getting the the right players who fit the system. And that right there is the key point. They got the right players who fit the system. We can talk about value all you want, you know, getting this guy at this pick or getting this guy at that pick. I mean, that doesn't matter so much. You just have to get the right players. And I think that's what Chip Kelly is more focused on as opposed to this concept of value. Uh, He even said something in an interview I saw on CSN Philly that, you know, like, you know, like if a player falls to you at six and you're like, oh, this this, this guy is such a great pick at six. Well, he's like, well, why didn't you just take him in round five? So I, I think the concept of value is a little silly sometimes. And I think what's most important is that they fit, one, the scheme like we talked about, and two, the culture like we also talked about, especially with Jordan Matthews. So I think they did a good job of bringing guys who fit in. Uh, Tommy Lawler was the one who said at first, you know, there's really no projects. I don't see a lot of projects. Maybe Ed Reynolds is more of a special teams player at this point, and he can develop into a role. But, I mean, there's no major projects on the roster. I think these guys are pretty much ready to play, and I think that's what Chip Kelly wants because they had a season, you know, last year where they went 10-6. You know, they won the division. You know, they don't need to necessarily take risk on on these players, you know, who could really bust. I think he's looking for safe players who can come in and step in right away and just pick up where they left off. Yeah, and, you know, I couldn't agree more with a lot of what you guys are saying. Marcus Smith especially, because I think you can move him around in between the, you know, outside linebacker position and occasionally on passing downs, have him play inside linebacker with next to Kendricks or, or, or uh, sure, <laughs> D'Amico Ryans, right, and have uh, Cole with his hand on the ground during passing plays. I think that's, you know, anything that makes Billy's defense more creative, I'm all for. Jordan Matthews, obviously love that guy. The story, the everything, Josh Huff too. They all have great character. At least that's what we've been sold. 
it's been interesting though to see, and I talked a little bit this about on Twitter. I want to see what you guys think. The fact that you know everybody's very high on Howie, everybody's very high on Chip. That I think that has a lot to do with how they draft. Um, but do you guys sense that there is a lot more younger fans here that just aren't negative about it because of the success right now? Or is that just basically how things kind of roll? If you're proving yourself that you can do wins and things like that, then everybody's going to be pretty much happy with what you do. I, I don't hear a lot of criticism uh, about the picks a lot, unless that's just in my mind. James, do you hear anything different other than that? Yeah, I think that's actually a great point. And honestly, I think it has a lot to do with Chip Kelly. I, I think that this city believes in this guy. And obviously, it has a lot to do with, with what he did in his first season here uh, and the whole program that he's instituted. Uh, you know, I, I think that people just believe, you know, I, I trust this guy to run my team. And I think that's such a major factor when you're looking at, at – any sort of pro team, you know, we have the same issue, you know, sorry to go on a Ruben Amaro rant, but we have the same issue with the Phillies and the fact that you just don't trust this guy to put the right players on the field, to sign the right players, to make the right decisions, to push this franchise forward. And with a guy like Chip Kelly, you do. You you look at the, the type of guy he is, the fact that he eats, breathes, sleeps football, the fact that he's a, a very intelligent guy, the way he handles the media, the way he interacts, the way how, how forthcoming he is, how honest he is. You just you feel like you're in good hands with this franchise. And I think that goes a long way towards seeing how the fan base as a whole is going to react because ultimately, look, we don't know. Like Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Vontez Perfect wasn't drafted and granted for other reasons, but that, you know, you can look at so many guys over the course of time who were either drafted late or drafted and undrafted or just taken in positions they shouldn't have been taken in. And you, you, why does that happen? Why do these guys become, you know, uh, Richard Sherman just signed what a, a massive contract as the best cornerback in the game. Uh, so I think that a lot of that goes back to having trust and having belief in the person who is heading your team up, who is the front man of that organization. And I think that Chip Kelly, even only a year in, uh, you know, you look at his past track record with Oregon and, and what he's done, you just, you believe in the guy, you believe in what he's doing. And I think that goes a long way towards seeing how the fan base is going to react. And Mike, a lot of the the, the points that have been made against it, uh, saying, you know, I don't know, here's Sal Powell or whoever the hell, uh, <laughs> coming on and saying stuff like, well, if it was an Andy Reid pick, people would be absolutely outraged and frustrated. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I think, you know, at least in, in, in this room of the four of us, you know, we got to experience three coaches that we can really, really understand. We had Ray Rose, uh, Andy Reid for the most part, and then Chip Kelly. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you that I remember all of the co-tight era, because I don't. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think when you look at Andy, and he didn't, wasn't a very good drafter. I mean, there, he maybe got two, guys, two or three guys out of every draft at most. And I think people start to, to recognize, you know, yeah, he signed a lot of really good free agents. Yeah, he's done really well with Brian Dawkins and Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent and, and Trey Thomas and guys that were drafted in the Rhodes era. Um, but he really didn't draft all that well. So I think people started to be like, oh, well, this is another year of Andy drafting his fastballs and – his undersized wide receivers and his uh, two down running backs and, you know, and so forth. And I think 
that's why he would have gotten that negative stuff. Matt and Sal Powell also got all, a lot of his information from Andy. So I can understand why he'd be an apologist. But if you look at this, the last three drafts, including this one, they all had structural, uh, you know, you could tell why they were making the moves they were making. Um, they were looking for the for a specific type of player, even before Chip Kelly got there. And they've been successful. So I think fans are kind of, you know, opening up to that and um, not being as critical. I mean, yes, there are people critical of the Smith pick, but, you know, I put out an article, Tommy Waller puts out an article, Brandon puts out an, uh, an article, and half the media is changing their mind, too. So there you go. <laughs> Trendsetters. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it, if you flip that, right, and you take Andy Reid's draft for the – or I mean, like, not that – he, you know, I don't know, different situations, all that stuff. But uh, would you be happier with D. Ford, Philip Gaines, D'Anthony Thomas, Aaron Murray, and Zach Fulton as your first five picks going forward? That is a very Andy Reid-ish type draft, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, some Eagles fans probably would. They wanted D'Anthony Thomas. Also. The good majority of them wanting D. Ford. Uh, Philip Gaines is no, no slouch. I actually think he's a pretty good player. But, you know, some of those players, uh, you know, Andy, I feel like, People that are, have been Eagles fans for a really long time, they get set in their ways of what they want to look for. Tommy Lawler talks about it all the time, how he became a smarter football fan by watching Andy Reid, and then so on with Chip Kelly and so forth. I feel the same way. So there's a lot of the times where I find myself looking at a smaller guy like Jason Brett, who's my favorite player in the entire draft, and being like, wow, that, that would work. But that's such a handy, handy player, you know? What we need to get used to is the beard of ears and the – um, the Jalen Watkins and so forth that, that would make up the Chip Kelly secondary or Billy Davis secondary, if you will. So I feel like it's kind of a, over time we're going to evolve as football fans and our intelligence and what we want. But right now I think it's kind of murky in the middle, and that's why some people had a problem with this draft class. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I, I would not prefer to have that KC draft, but you it's funny because, and I don't know whether it's Reed or Howie or however you want to look at it, but you look at the last draft that Andy had here. I mean, it was a brilliant draft. I mean, we ended up yeah. with Fletcher Cox and Michael Kendricks and Nick Foles and Brandon Boykin and, and cornerstone players on this team. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of hard to understand, you know, but then you look at a couple drafts before that and you got, you know, Watkins and Jarrett and, and Henry in the fourth round and, and just these ridiculous picks that, that you look back on and you say, how could we have possibly done that? Uh, so I don't know whether that shows what a crapshoot it is or, or speaks towards, uh, you know, how we taking over in philosophy or, or what it is. But, you know, it's hard to bash Reed on that last draft for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and BLG, this is this is what I what is what do you think holds up a lot of those Eagles fans that are skeptical to, to kind of buy into this thing? Is it the torture and the, you know, of the last 14 years and the up and down and the organization making so-so calls and. Even long before that, and the you know the dreadful seventies and all that type of stuff, until they turn into winners, what do you think is holding people up from buying into Chip Kelly in this regime here? Yeah, I don't think it's anything too specific to Chip necessarily. It might just be that general kind of, you know, you have to prove it first before you know I trust you attitude. Even though the Eagles did do good last year, and a lot of people were going to just there's always going to be you know a devil's advocate side to it, and I think that's where a lot of it comes from because you know those people could say. The Eagles didn't really beat anyone last year. You know, blah, blah, blah. They'd, Aaron Rodgers was out. You know, they had an easy time. Uh, it was a last-place schedule. You know, there's always excuses for everything and stuff like this. I think one thing that could, you know, make some people skeptical is the Deshaun thing still. I mean, oh, that's course. kind of 
you know, I, I, I guess I can see that. I don't know. It's kind of a that's kind of a weird thing to me. It kind of seems like an outlier, even if you if you think the Eagles front office messed up there. Uh, I, I really don't see a good reason because I think for the you know for the most part, I think every move you know that Chip Kelly has made since he's been here, at least in the the macro view, I mean there hasn't been some giant mistake again. I guess that depends on how you feel about the Deshaun thing, but I just, I really don't think there's been this giant mistake that really, you know, to me says, wow, I can't trust this guy. It's just the opposite. You know, it's every move he makes for the most part, you know, I'm looking at this and saying, yeah, this makes sense. I mean, even if a move doesn't pan out, like look at the Patrick Chung or Isaac Sopawaga signings. I mean, even them, you can defend with logic because at the time the Eagles needed the safety. There were no, I mean, you look at that free agent safety class from a couple of years ago, there was just no one out there. Chung was probably one of the best guys out there, which is hard to believe, but go back and check. And I guarantee you, and same thing with Sopawaga, the Eagles didn't have a nose tackle. You got to just sign someone. So, I mean, even in these moves where they, they do make, you know, mistakes or failures, I mean, it's not, and again, they're not big mistakes. You know, you cut Patrick Chung, no harm done. You know, you tried it, didn't work. All right, cut your losses. I mean, there's no giant mistake here. There's no, like, organizational dysfunction like like you have with the Phillies here. Or you just, Like, they just don't get it. You know, I think the Eagles get it. So even if, you know, they might not get the results that people always want, I think they're using the right process, which is very important. Patrick Chung, no harm done. That should be a T-shirt. Well, actually, I mean, we didn't talk about my everybody's favorite seventh-round pick, uh, Mr. Bo Allen, uh, who is... I think, you know, is a bigger, fatter version of Thor, and I love him, and I said, if you can clog him, you know, he can be <laughs> Thor, and Kendricks can be Captain America, and they can just blow shit up in the middle, some, you know, on a couple of downs, I think that might be great. A lot of people have been touting him as like, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that could potentially stick on this team and be a, a good contributor for a couple of years here. Um, I, I don't know. Do you guys feel that him, there's really no difference between him and Lewis Nix? Because some people really freaked out about that third round and it taking Josh Huff, and there was a nose tackle available. Uh, but I just feel like there's a little bit more of a higher ceiling here, James, for uh, Bo Allen. Any thoughts on him? I, I don't know enough about Bo Allen, to be honest. I don't know if he carries a hammer around with him <laughs> while he's playing. Uh, but the Lewis Nick thing, obviously, he wasn't available when they actually took Huff. They, they traded out of that spot to Houston, who took Nick's with that pick. Um, but I'll be honest with you, from everything I heard about Lewis Nix, I heard a lot of stuff I don't like. I heard that he is a guy who quits, a guy who doesn't really give it his all. You know, you could see it in games where, you know, come the third quarter, they're out of the game. He's that guy who's just not going 100% on every play. And that sounds like a Chip Kelly, you know, the opposite of a Chip Kelly guy. Add into the fact that he was out of shape. He had this serious injury that was a legitimate thing that, that that's basically the main reason he dropped out of the first or second round. Uh, I'm okay with him not taking Knicks, especially from all everything I heard about Knicks. Uh, I don't know enough about Bo Allen, obviously a seventh-round pick, to know whether he can kind of fill that role. Uh, but I'm certainly not upset they didn't take next yeah i agree with that i think one thing we have to remember when it comes to the eagles and nose tackle is i don't think they want the prototypical nose tackle that everyone thinks about that's just like vince wolfork who's huge and he you know i I just don't think they're looking for that guy i think they're looking for a benny logan type 
player who's more athletic. If you go and look back at some of Bill Davis's defenses and some of his nose tackles, they've typically been on the smaller side. And that's, you know, that's not just coincidence. It's because he wants players who can attack. He doesn't want just a guy necessarily who's just going to sit there and eat up blocks like a big blob. But I think there's value in having a guy like that as a backup. And that's why you bring in Bo Allen and you bring him up uh, so he can back up Benny and probably take Damian Square's spot because he's going to be a guy you can put in in a situational role when they do need to, you know, eat up some blocks uh, and add a bigger guy in there. And I think that's why you add him. You know, Lewis Nix, to me, just doesn't fit their ideal mold. And, again, I've said this uh, multiple times. Uh, If you look at how often the Eagles used a nose tackle last year, at least in the form of either Sopoaga, Benny, or square, it was only about 50% of the snaps, the defensive snaps maximum. So they're not going to spend a high resource on a guy who's going to play backup at a position that they don't really value a lot. And like I've said many times, they like Benny Logan a lot. They're high in him, and so am I. So it, it just was never going to happen. Uh, you know, if you heard Chip Kelly in his, his press conference when they were talking about Bo Allen, uh, you know, they asked him, why didn't you take Knicks? Why didn't you kind of spend a higher pick on a nose tackle? And he's like, look, there wasn't a Haloti not out there. He's like, I, I think that what Brandon's pointing to is the fact that they just don't value that position as much as other positions on the defense. And unless it's a guy who's like a Haloti Nada, who's going to completely change the face of a defense with his speed and size and skill in that position, they're, they're not going to build their defense around that. And, and thus they're going to kind of, find ways to kind of, you know, makeshift it through with with guys in that position or a guy like Benny who's kind of a different player than that prototypical 3-4 nose tackle. And as far as undrafted free agents goes, I think the most popular one that's jumped out between everybody here is uh, the murder leg himself, Mr. Kerry Spear. Uh, You know, you put highlight tapes of him lighting up Cordell Patterson and, you know, taking dudes out in midair and then uh, getting real pumped and running off the field real quick. It's a pretty awesome thing to be like, whoa, murder leg, killing people, kicker. Uh, everybody do- dislikes Alex Henry for the most part in this town, unless your name is B-Doc Forever, and you comment on BleedingGreenNation.com. Um, you know, you've had, I, at first I'm like, hell yes. Yes, let's do this thing. The more I think and look at his tape and see his leg strength and see his kickoff skills, I don't know. Uh, do you, the, you guys think that uh, – I, I feel that the Eagles might need to bring in a third kicker into training camp at some point. Brandon, what are your thoughts? I don't think they're going to bring in a third kicker. Sorry to crap all over your point right away there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, yeah, that just totally defeats me. No, uh, I, I think that um, – uh, I don't think Kerry is here to really – I mean, I, I, sure, anything can happen in training camp. And, you know, if if Henry is just really just terrible for some reason, he's just horrible, I mean, and, and then Spear looks great, I mean, sure, they're probably going to keep him. But I, I, I just don't think that I, – I just don't think that he's going to beat out Henry because I, I think he's – you know, I just don't think he was that kind of player in college who was that kind of consistent and a proven kicker. You know, I, I think they brought him in because he's a guy who, who, who you know, air quotes here – push Henry in training camp <laughs> but you know I don't think he's actually a serious threat but he'll be fun to watch at least in uh the preseason so that's really all you can root for as a fan you know at least they brought in a player you know who'll be fun to watch Murderleg is the best nickname in the history of sport <laughs> oh yeah 
Uh, oh my god, I wanted. I'm with you, John. I wanted to love this guy. I wanted to be like, oh my god, we're gonna be able to say murder leg for the next decade. Uh, but I, I'm with Brandon. I, I just don't think he's legit competition. I think that yeah, he's tough. Uh, he's you know the kind of you know you want that side of the kicker too. You want to see your kicker go out and throw his body into a into a pile and take somebody down. But and he'll do that. But I just don't think in terms of kicking and especially in terms of consistency, uh, he's going to be able to get it done from a, you know an everyday kind of standpoint as the kicker on this team. But I don't think that means I'm with you, John. I don't think that means that they shouldn't be looking for other kickers because I think we all agree that Alex Henry has not gotten it done. I'm sorry. It is what it is. The guy missed two field goals in the, in the playoffs, you know, I'm sorry. I I don't want Alex Henry as my kicker. I I feel like he is going to be the kicker, but I'd rather they go out and get a 36 year old Rob Baronis and bring that guy in. I I want someone. Yeah. I want someone who's had success on the NFL level. And I feel like a lot of Henry's, you know, cred is from the fact that he was the best kicker in NCAA history and he hasn't really done it on a professional level. He's been okay and he's had stretches where he'll hit a lot of, you know, manageable field goals and and yes, he is consistent from a short, you know, from a a short amount of yards so to speak, but that doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. And and especially when he proves that his one shot in the playoffs, he clearly doesn't have the cojones to kind of get it done i i'm, I'm done with him man i, I want a baronis i'll freaking take acres back i don't care i, I want someone <laughs> who's done it before i want someone who you know i, I feel confident and if you have a 43 yarder to to win a game that i he's walking out on the field and i say oh that guy's gonna knock it down and and i just don't feel that way with alex henry and you know i was watching nfl rewind today and i rewatched that san diego game and let me just recap it for you so it's the second turnover that San Diego happens to have. Uh, Ryan Matthews fumbles the ball. There's 55 seconds left to go in the before halftime. Uh, you know, there's a, a great drive by Vic and McCoy. Uh, a couple of great uh, catches from Selleck, I think, too. They get down to like the 30 for a 46 yarder wide right, baby. And and it's just and it just brought every emotion back of flipping out and being like, you got to be kidding me with this guy. Uh, and I don't think that Murder Leg is anything different than him as far as leg power goes, as far as, as surely not accuracy. Um, you know, it's fun to look at. It's fun to talk about. Yeah, he lights guys up. I don't care. I don't care. I want my field goal kickers to be able to kick 60 yarders. Sorry. I want it. I want in a clutch situation, just situation, just like James said, 43, 50, 50 yards. I want you to be able to feel comfortable kicking a 50 yard field goal under pressure, with four seconds left on the clock. That's what everybody wants. So why not get a guy that can actually do those things? There are thousands, literally thousands of guys that are capable of doing it, that have professional experience, and maybe not even a NFL experience, but you know, have the leg power if you give them a shot. And I'm hey, saying, go find a soccer player who can freaking <laughs> kick the ball a mile. Why, why is it that hard? There are a million people out there who can kick the ball a mile. Why is this such an issue? I don't know. And and the reason I bring all this stuff up is, and granted, I'm a little biased here. Look, there's a kid that went to North Penn, who went to Delaware, who broke a, a bunch of records and a bunch of accolades. There's a guy who's kicked professionally in the uh, Arena Football League. And he's been coached by one of the best coaches in uh, in kicking, really. Doug uh, Blevins, who is uh, the likes of Akers and Justin Tucker, Adam Vinatieri, all those guys. Guys, there is a kicker 
in our own backyard that is capable of doing all the things I just said. Uh, Anthony uh, DeBona, our good friend who has uh, written a couple of articles on BleedingGreenNation.com, he's the one that kind of wafted me towards this guy uh, and had that great article, which I'm sure we'll post in this episode somewhere. I got a chance to sit down with him. His name is John Stryavsky. He's a really impressive kid. He's starting to get phone calls from NFL teams. He's a guy that I would like to see to really push somebody in camp. It's a great story. It's almost Vince Papali-ish. I really get behind it. I hope the rest of the BGN community can get behind it too. And ladies and gentlemen, he's on the phone right now. The uh, kicker that has been making a lot of noise around the area. He's a local guy. We love him that he's coming on the show. Mr. John Stryevsky, what's going on, buddy? Hey, not too much, man. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's been pretty interesting. Uh, the We talked to you a little bit before the draft happened. And uh, for those that don't know your story, how did you come up? I know you were down in Delaware. That's where your college career started. So kind of t- take us from there. What uh, what, what uh, were the, your kind of career highlights here? Well, I was the first team All-American in 2007. I uh, made a national championship run with the Ravens quarterback, Joe Flacco, and a, a bunch of other NFL guys. Uh, consensus All-American at the end of the season. Uh, ties the NCAA kick scoring record for points in the season. And, and throughout my career, broke almost every single Delaware kicking record in the books. Um, you know, I was named the third team All-American my senior year coming out of school. And, you know, I had a really great time and, and certainly enjoyed that. And at the end of my career, I decided that, you know, it really wasn't a far stretch of set and I could play pro football. And I definitely believed in it from that point on that, you know, what it would take to be an All-American was what it was going to take to be a pro and then some. So I thought I had the work ethic and I thought I had the resume base to really get myself, you know, kind of jump-started and going into it. Um, took the year off when I got out of school, trained, learned from some of the guys that were out there teaching this crap, and uh, started playing arena ball for the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, it's really great to play in my hometown for uh, an awesome owner and a great organization with Lon Jaworski. Um, went from there, uh, traveled around some more, as I have been the last couple of years, learning from guys like Mike Hollis, Michael Houston, Doug Blevins, uh, Paul Assad, guys that have really taught me bits and pieces about this craft that I needed to get myself each next stepping stone in my career to kind of really keep uh, the pace and path alive to make it to the NFL. Now, you you mentioned Doug Blevins, and that's that's no joke right there, everybody. That's, that's a guy that's developed uh, your your Tuckers, your Vinatieri's, uh, worked with the Minnesota. He's worked with uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and on his own, he's got a pretty incredible story uh, as well. But, I mean, that's a guy that shapes punters and kickers. So that's that's pretty serious uh, work there. You're not Tony Danza, you know, garbage man, field goal kicking, uh, field goal eagle, you know, guy that comes off the street type of guy. You you have the skills. You're obviously there, and it's not like you haven't played professional football. So that's kind of cool to kind of see this hometown kid kind of striving and like, hey, you know, it'd be awesome to end up in Philadelphia. And you, uh, just so I know, you have had at least one call, right, just to see your availability from an NFL team? That's correct. I mean, this part of the, the year here starts to shake out a little bit more and more. And as guys get phone calls here that are coming out of the classes, I think some teams keep in closer contact about, hey, maybe what are you going to do after rookie camp? And at this point, I've gotten one call, or at least for the request for some information, whether or not I was signed by Chicago. Actually, oh, that's – I mean, they, you know, that that's uh... – 
That's a legitimate team. <laughs> um, the, hey, yeah, any one of those 32 is a legitimate team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, have you had uh, experience in rookie camps, or did you get invited to training camps, anything like that, uh, before? No, no, I haven't been yet. Uh, it's the only thing that's really truly eluded me in my career is the chance to, to compete in a rookie camp. Uh, you know, I look at the contract as being something that you look at down the line after you get that first chance to really go and show what you're made of and prove that you deserve to be at that level. Well, and you know, you, you say that, and the Eagles this week bring in a pretty obvious, uh, awesome nickname special teamer, uh, Casey Spear, who happens to have the uh, term murder leg. So immediately everybody's like, whoa. Uh, they go check out the highlight clips and they see him light up Cordell Patterson when he, you know, in, against Tennessee. And they see this guy that's flying down the, the you know, the, the field after the kickoff and knocking into dudes. But. When you are looking at stats and you compare them to Alex Henry, and this is just my opinion, this is what I'm saying. Uh, I, my firm belief, as I was just talking about, the Eagles do need, I think, another third option at kicker because I don't think it's enough competition. The Eagles are looking for somebody in that can, or at least the Eagles fans, I should say. Eagles fans are looking for somebody that can kick it out of the end zone. Are you one of those guys that can kick it out of the end zone, comfortable in pressure situations, that type of thing? Absolutely. I'm going to start from the beginning of that there. You know, they talk about big hit and kickoff return men, and that's great. I'm six foot tall and 210 pounds. I will hit you like a freight train if I have to. You cross the middle, and I'm going to do my best to give you a pop. But at the same time, you know, those highlight reel hits are great. That means at the end of the play, you're not doing your job. I'm going to kick the ball out of the end zone with no return, give my guys a break, and kind of, you know, keep my highlights at the goals and long kickoff. Um, I think that I'm definitely a guy that can do that on a consistent basis, something that you can trust to go out there. And if you need the ball put out the back, that's where it's going to be, not starting at the 50 with a highlight reel tackle. <laughs> hey, now, I like that. See, that's what I'm saying. The uh, That type of – if you got into that camp, are you winning the job? Well, I'm packing my bags for the whole season if I come to camp. Uh, I'm expecting to win this job. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to produce what I have throughout my entire career. I'm going to kick the ball out of the end zone and kick off. I'm going to be consistent on a field goal. And you put me out there, you can expect points, at least a good shot at it in camp. Um, you know, I don't think I'd ever say that I was going to go out there and just, you know, hope to, to compete for the job. I'm going out there with the mindset that it's my, my turn and I'm ready to play at that level, and especially in a town like Philadelphia where they need a guy that's really going to be someone they can rely on for years to come. No, here's the thing, John. Like, it's not like – one day, if you decide to get off the couch and be like, oh, I can go be a kicker. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys that think that are at whatever age. Oh, I just, I'm 35. Uh, there's time for me to put down the bag of potato chips and get out there. Uh, but honestly, how hard is it to get a job at the NFL as a kicker? I mean, if you want to just look at breaking down a resume like mine, you know, I have a lot of great accolades. All-American, Mel Kiper, top five, five position. Uh, NCAA scoring leader for kick point. You know, those are, are, are big time things, at least in my eyes as a kicker, that prove that you, you know, are consistent, dedicated, and, and really had success over the course of your career. Um, there's only 32 jobs. There's no backups. And I'm pretty sure there's no other field in the world that has only 32 available positions, and, and that's it. So I think it's a tough thing to break in. Um, you know, a lot of people will tell you that it's an easy thing to do, or they can kick a 50 yard field goal, or they've done it before. Uh, can you do it a hundred times? You know, I, I think that there's something to be said about guys that can. Um, and you know, it's really, it's a craft. It's as difficult as golf would be for most people. 
um, you know, swing mechanics, pieces of the thing like that that go into it. I mean, you factor in different variables to every play, whether it's a snap, the hold, uh, the, the conditions outside. And, you know, growing up in the Northeast and playing at Delaware, you know, I've kind of had to deal with all those pieces, whether it's a cold weather game or a rain game or a game up north in, the, in November. And, you know, those are the things that really make it difficult. Some people can go out there and kick 20 field goals on a sunny day in the middle of June on a turf field and be like, okay, man, maybe I can do this. It's the guys that can do it consistently, whether the conditions are good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, and now when you – I remember talking to you a, a little bit ago, and you had said that originally when you came out of college, there was some things that you had to work on. Um, there is also an aspect to a kicker's game that are in the NFL – I think you had mentioned once before that it's really tough to adjust your game while you're in it and playing it. Um, it why is that, and how has the training, you know, from college to now helped you? Well, coming out of school, I think the biggest knock you're going to see that people had about me was that I couldn't kick off. And, you know, since then, I, I've sought out the ways to solve my problem, and I've certainly done so. You start talking about Doug Blevins training Justin Tucker and Adam Vinatieri and David Akers at the early points of their career. Doug really helped me unlock the big ball that was inside my body. Like I said before, as a big kid, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to put the ball out of the end zone. He really unlocked that for me and got me to the point now where I can do it consistently. Now, as far as changing your game to get in the NFL or doing that at the course of the season, it's tough to, I guess, break habits if you don't have time. You know, fortunately for me, if you look at it, I've had the last couple of years to tweak and fine-tune all those little pieces of the game so that I'm ready for when my moment comes. I only might get one. And personally, that's all I feel I'll need. But it's difficult to be playing in the NFL for three or four years and decide that you have to change because you think, well, you know, I am here already. I've got a job. I've been doing something right. Now, the continual pursuit to get better is what makes guys Hall of Fame kickers. You know, Adam Vinatieri, tireless worker. David Akers, tireless worker. These guys have made small changes and pieces over their careers that have kept them in the league for 14 or 15 years. And I said, if I get there, all this work I've put into this point right now will certainly show off, and I can promise people that I will continue to improve and get better each year as I have over the last four or five. That's crazy, man. So, like, from where uh, – how much weight did you put on? When I got to college, I was 170 pounds. Um, and I was a skinny kid, you know, a lot of width. Uh, you know, as a six-foot-tall kid, you know, you can almost count my ribs when I got there. Uh, <laughs> it, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of time and a lot of extra workouts spent in the weight room. Uh, you go back and ask any one of my strength coaches about someone who didn't miss a workout over five years and came to everything extra, that was me. I graduated at 205, and since then I put on five more pounds and has really tried to tone up and, and trim down and, and work on those specific parts that are going to help my kick and get better. Um, you know, it's, they talk about the 225 test. I had no problem putting up 225, 2015, and 20 times. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely stacked that up. And that's more one of those personal uh, goals and satisfactions that you get as a kicker. You have time to bench press. But uh, I definitely think I still have a pair of pads. And I don't think looking at me, you would think that I was a kicker. Yeah, and there's a couple of videos uh, on your YouTube page, which, <laughs> I mean, you're pretty ripped, man. I'm, I'm a little jealous. Sometimes we should uh, switch bodies and I can go to the beach and you can hang out on the couch. Um, but, uh, John, I, I do want to ask you, if you get the opportunity to get into Eagles camp, what is your goal there? It's plain and simple, to make the team. Um, getting into Eagles rookie camp would be a dream come true. Getting into summer camp would, would make that dream, you know, ten times better. 
But having the op- opportunity to compete in that camp for that starting job and to walk away at the end of that camp on that 53-man roster, that's what my goal would be. Quite as simple, I think that anything short of that would be, uh, you know, kind of a, a cheat to what I've been doing the last four or five years preparing for my one one opportunity coming up here. Look, I mean, there is uh, uh, there's another, a couple other videos that I really enjoyed. The 63-yard field goals in 15 seconds with the Philadelphia skyline in the background. Pretty inspiring stuff. So from, like, my perspective, it's really inspiring. It's very Vince Papali-ish. Uh, and I love that you're, you know, a North Penn kid who got coached by one of the, the, uh, the now Cleveland Browns head coach, Mike uh, Pettit. It's it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on, John. We wish you uh, nothing but good luck. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Like I said, you know, I'll keep you guys uh, updated and filled in on everything that's going on right now. And uh, hopefully, in the next couple weeks, you'll see me in camp. Uh, we'd love it. We'd love it. Thank you so much, John. Uh, just an absolute great kid. Very hungry. You know, twenty six, twenty seven has been working at this thing for a long time. It's very interesting that he brought up a lot of kickers that are in the game don't have time to adjust like he, like he's been able to adjust, uh, you know, a guy that had to put on some pounds, had to get some leg power, a guy that's six feet that wasn't using his full potential guys and co- private coaches like that can bring it out of you. Granted, doesn't mean you have a job in the NFL while you're doing it, but it's interesting to see that. Yeah, they don't have, they don't have time to adjust. And if you're not comfortable doing some stuff, it's really hard to kind of get on that, through the course of a season, it'll be interesting. You know, it's it's really hard to make it uh, in the NFL alone. It's extremely uh, just as hard if you're a kicker. There's only 32 jobs. So, um, guys, uh, as we're wrapping things up here, final thoughts on everything. Uh, my final thought is that the Eagles have two of their seven draft picks signed at as, as of this recording. Uh, Bo Allen and Josh Huff are both under contract. Woo-hoo! You know, that's good news. I don't expect that to be a problem. Um, rookie mini camp uh, begins tomorrow. I'll be going down there. Hopefully, pretty sure I'm going to be down there. Uh, meet the rookies, interview them, see what's up. Uh, and I guess that's about it. You know, we're we're entering a season or a stretch of the NFL off season where things are really starting to slow down now. You know, but we'll be here. You know, breaking it down all the way. So that's that's my final thought for everyone. Well, I, I think looking at the draft class and the undrafted free agents and with uh, rookie minicamp starting this week, I think there's a lot of positives to take, you know, take in with this class. I mean, I, I think there's about four or five undrafted free agents that could, could make the roster or at least have a shot at doing it. I think Blake Gannon is a, is a quality player. I think Lowe, who I brought up earlier, is pretty good. The two running backs are quality players and I think Hawkins from Texas could be a, a nice interior lineman who can maybe kick out to tackle if need be um, so I think that that's a positive and then you have the seven guys that were drafted and I think all of them are going to make the team um, in their first year so I think I think we need to you know pause and relax and let the cards you know come I guess not cards but let things come as they may yes uh, but I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I'm going to go back to what I said before, and it, and it's the idea of that ultimately none of us really have any idea what these players are going to be. When you're looking at the Marcus Smiths, even a guy like Jordan Matthews, who everyone's so excited about, none of us really know. Uh, you know, uh, what's the percentage rate? I'm sure BLG can help me. It's like 50% or, or, or 
30% for first-rounders, much less later-round players in terms of actually making it in the NFL. So none of us have any idea. I think that the key is that Kelly is building this team to fit his system, and I don't want to say that as a, you know, his system is above all else in the sense that what they're trying to do on offense, what they're trying to do on on defense, I think they drafted these players and signed these unrestricted free agents as a way to kind of add to what they're doing. And, and I think that we just need to give it a chance. We need to trust Chip. I know that's kind of the the big, you know, thing that people say in Philly right now, and whether it's in jest or not, you know, this guy's earned my trust. I'm sorry. After one year, after just watching this guy, after seeing the way he is in press conferences and the way he deals with people and what his football knowledge and his whole conditioning program, the fact that, like we talked about, the, the lack of injuries that we saw this last season, I'm just willing to give the guy a chance this season. I'm willing to see how the pieces fit. And, you know, I think it's going to be exciting. I think we all should just kind of take a step back and see how it all fits before deciding to kind of crucify one way or the other. Look, it's going to be a really exciting season, guys. And uh, just we just announced this today, by the way. So buckle your seatbelts and get ready for some fun stuff. There's still some things we got to work out, but we're not getting... Hold on, John. Hold on. Hold on. I'm buckling my seatbelt. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. BLG, you strapped in? Are you ready for all this? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. We're not just giving away tickets to one game. We're not going to do two games. We're doing the whole trifecta. One, two, three, we're going to give away tickets to opening day, of course, as you guys voted on today on Twitter, at BGN underscore radio. The second game we are giving away is the Deshaun Jackson return to the league. That's week three, so that's that's going to be exciting. And then we're going to take a little break from the uh, the uh, the ticket giving away because we are saving it for hopefully a big momentous occasion where, you know, it's two Clash of the Titans in week 14. We're giving away tickets to the Seattle Seahawks coming into wow. town to the Lakers. So that is going to be very exciting. Wow. And and to bump it on top, this is breaking news as we have announced it here. If you're in the area and you're in the Philadelphia area, let's say you don't want to drive down to the game, we got you covered too. Uber Philly, great app. I use it all the time. Is going to join in on the party. He's going to take you to and fro the game free of charge. It doesn't get anybody crazier than that. So that's... A lot of the exciting things we have coming up. We got a lot of great uh, potential of of uh, good things this season. The draft has been phenomenal. Big hats off to Mike K to Brandon Gowton for freaking doing the marathons and giving us all this great information on the site. It's been crazy. Uh, thanks to all you guys again for listening and reading all the articles that are on the site. And with that, uh, for Mike K, for Mr. BLG, for James Elser and myself, John Barcher, thank you so much for listening. The BGN Radio, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. That was awesome.